0: What's up Rock Church, God bless you, good to see you, Uh, my name is Travis, I'm the campus pastor of our Point Loma location, but you know we're one church right now gathered all across the world, all across San Diego and wherever you're watching us from, we want to say God bless you and, and welcome. Hey, before we do anything else, I want you to find the share button on whatever device or computer or TV screen, find that button that says share, get this word out. Today's going to be a great day. We already started off with incredible worship and time of just leaning into the things of God. Hands lifted. Maybe you're you're singing from home or uh, you're watching this at a later time. But now we're going to go into God's word. We want to make sure that whoever needs to be encouraged gets encouraged. So click that button. Share this word out. Uh, We are leading up to Easter. It's in a few weeks. So just kind of get that on your calendar. Get that positioned in your heart and get ready for it. Um, Also, if you haven't heard or maybe you have heard, we're getting back in the buildings pretty soon. And so, If you want more information about that, I want you to text the word info to 52525 and you'll have a chance to get all the information that you need to know. But that brings us to today. Today we're starting or really continuing in our, our series entitled Burden of Proof. Everybody take a deep breath in. Say Burden of Proof. Burden of Proof. And I love that this this term, it's a legal term that's used to describe the obligation. That means I have to. It's a a word that describes the obligation that someone has to prove. What's the evidence? Prove whatever claim they're making. Whether that's I'm innocent, uh, I'm I'm this, I was that. Whatever claim that someone makes, they better be ready to back it up with proof, with evidence. And and here's what I know, As, as Christians and many of you joining us today, you are. And maybe you're not yet, but you've been attending, you've been joining us online. Maybe you've been to one of our outdoor services and now you're watching, uh, watching me today. And That's fantastic. And maybe you're not there yet, but you're heading in that direction to become a follower of Jesus. Uh, by calling ourselves Christians, which really means little Christ, we're making the claim that we not only uh, believe in God and receive from God, but we're also saying we live like him, on mission with him, love and serve just like Jesus does. In week one, Pastor Miles talked about being a partner with God. And that's the proof, that's the evidence that you are a follower of Jesus. You partner with him. Last week, uh, Pastor talked about being an intercessor, which really means I'm just praying for people. I'm praying for the people that Jesus loves and prays for. And then today in week three, I want to talk about the idea of becoming a servant, just like Jesus became a servant for us. Why don't you join me? Let's pray. And we'll jump into the rest of our time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these next few minutes and moments together. Pray that it would bless you. That it would be glorifying to your son. Thank you for your scripture that speaks to us. That's living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Pray that it would form us into a servant today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody shouted, Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. Um, I grew up really enjoying combat sports. By that I mean boxing, mixed martial arts. And uh, uh, as I grew older, I I remember going to a few. My dad took me to my first boxing fight to to watch in in Los Angeles, and just fell in love with it. To this day, I really enjoy it. Uh, Well, uh, a few years ago, a buddy of mine said, "Hey, let's go check out this mixed martial arts gym. They have Muay Thai, kickboxing." Uh, they have a cardio class for fighters. Uh, they, they have all of it. They have jiu-jitsu. And I said, let's go check it out. So we went to this class and we get there and we do the, we do the cardio and that's pretty cool. And we did some kickboxing, eh, did some of that, no big deal. And then it was time for the last part of this class, which is jujitsu, And that's really what's called grappling. You learn to get people in, in arm, arm bars. And, and the, the point is that you can get people to submit or or. Or tap, tap out. Let's see, maybe you heard that term. Or uncle, uncle. You tap out. I get my arm locked. Ah, I tap. I'm out. Or sometimes they learn ch- choke holds and you kind of cut their breath out. And I don't mean to be too, uh, too gruesome. But this is, it's, it's self-defense. And, and some, some of these uh, athletes are really great mixed martial artists. And so we went and it's now time for jujitsu. We're in this upper room, the gym mats. And we're rolling and they're teaching us. A chokehold. The idea is that we would take turns with a partner and switch, and I would learn the chokehold and I tap, hey, you got me next. And I come over here and I'd get you, and that guy would tap. Well, for whatever reason, as we're going, the guy next to me decided that he didn't want to tap. And I don't know if it was because he was a beginner or he was just that hardcore, but in the seconds leading to that next moment, all I see is this guy just completely unconscious, just uh, uh, <laughs> laying, laying next to me. It was at that moment that I knew I am not a fighter. I want to be everybody's friend. I am not a grappler. I just want to, I just want to hug you. <laughs> I just want to hug you, man. I don't need anybody to tap me out. I don't want to tap you out. Uh, uh, it was hard. It was, uh, grappling and jujitsu was uncomfortable. The gym smelled terrible, by the way. And I had no appreciation for the pain. And I had no respect for that, that guy that was laying next to me. Un- unconscious. Now watch this. After the jujitsu class, I never went around telling anybody I'm a fighter. I'm a mixed martial artist. I I, I practice jujitsu. I I never did that. In fact, you can actually tell who the real jujitsu guys are and gals. You can tell because they got these these cauliflower ears. Is what it's called. Their ears are all jacked up. So if you see that, you you know. That's a, bad, that's a bad girl. That's a bad dude right there because their ears have been irritated. They've been, they've been hit or messed with. It, it's, it's painful. Uh, they get hit and that is the proof to their claim that I do jujitsu. That class was just a thing I did one time, but it was not, not, not for me. Just like that class that I took, so many of us treat the idea of being a servant like jujitsu. It's just a thing that I do every once in a while, but it's definitely not who I am. And if it ever gets too uncomfortable, or if it gets too painful, or if it gets too smelly or too embarrassing, I'm out. Way too painful. Um, I almost titled this message, The Proof is in the Pain. Because being a servant is so painful. It's uncomfortable. Um, the service, it's in the sacrifice. It's in forgiving someone when, when they haven't even apologized to you yet. Uh, the, the proof is in the pain. Man, it's uncomfortable to be a, a servant. Uh, it comes when you choose humility, when you know maybe you deserve to be proud. It comes when you decide to go last, when you've earned the right to go first. It's hard to be a servant. That's why we don't always choose this idea. But know that while you serve, you've never looked more like Jesus in that moment. While you serve, you've never looked more like Jesus in those moments. And So here's what I hope you take away today. And I'll just call this my sermon in a sentence. If you're taking notes at home, you're taking notes in your car, this is something I want you to get. This is what I want you to take away from today. Serving isn't just something that I sometimes do. A servant is someone I always am. Come on, I want you to get this. Serving isn't just something that I sometimes do. But rather a servant is someone that I always am. Somebody give me an amen, wherever you're watching from. Put that in the chat. Amen. It's not what I do, it's who I am. It's not my activity, it's my identity. It not only describes me, but it literally defines the inner core of who I am. Jesus said it this way. He said, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Even Jesus, even the king of kings and lord of lords didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and give his life. To give his life away. To serve is to give your life away. Jesus served when he went to the cross. And as I said, we're getting closer to Easter. So you know the story. He served when he paid for all of our sins hanging on that cross. Jesus served when he compromised his reputation to have meals with tax collectors and he forgave their sins. Jesus served when he, he turned water into wine. That was his first miracle. And you know that Jesus didn't want to do it. And he told his mom who asked him, mom, not yet. And his mom was like, help a sister out. I'm trying to, trying to do something, Jesus. Help me out. And so he does it. He served. He didn't want to do it, but he served. Jesus served when he got on his knees and he washed the feet of his disciples. And that's a story that I want to tell you about today. It's found in John chapter 13. And, and let me set this up for you before we even read any of the, the verses. It's John 13. If you're finding it in your Bible, I want you to find it Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the New Testament, fourth gospel account, a gospel according to John. Chapter 13 will be in verses 1 through 17. So maybe put your, your finger in there and hold it. But here's the setup it's Passion Week. That's the week leading to Easter. Jesus is about to give his life for us on the cross. On on Monday, he comes in, sees what's going on in the temple, and he flips the tables. You've heard that. It was a righteous anger. On Tuesday, there was a big fight that broke out with the religious rulers because they're they're antagonizing Jesus. They don't appreciate who he is. They don't don't trust who he is. They hate him. Wednesday is a day off. It's kind of called Silent Wednesday. Now in this story, it's Thursday. And Jesus is sharing his last moments in a secret room. This is where we get that, that, that image that maybe is hanging on your grandma's wall of the Last Supper. Uh, communion, by, by the way. You ever wonder uh, in the picture, how come they're all lined up, uh, facing the same direction. Like how can you pass any food if we're all sitting in the same direction. Like I can't get the bread. It's just like pass it, pass it, pass it. Like the last guy is going to come all the way around and get it back to the first guy. Anyways, that's the story. And, and Friday Jesus is betrayed, he's beaten, he's tortured. It's a tough week. It's a terrible week. Now, according to Luke's gospel, a fight breaks out amongst the disciples about who's the greatest. Because they know, Jesus, you're going you're to go sit next to the Father. So Jesus, which one of us is the greatest here? Who's going to be with you? Who's going to sit next to you? And John is, is the one that Jesus loved the most. At least that's what he wrote about himself in the gospel of John. So maybe it was him. Maybe it was Peter because he was the one that actually got out of the boat and, and walked on water until he looked down and lost faith and fell. Who knows? Who knows who it is? But Jesus interrupts them and he says, I, guys, I already told you. I already told you this. I, I can't believe you're, met, you're missing this. We spent three years together and I've already told you, the greatest is the one who will be your servant. The greatest is the one who will be your servant. In fact, in Luke verse 22, or chapter 22, verse 26, it says, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. That's the greatest. Um, this word... Serve or servant is synonymous with, with waiter. And I know all about this because that was one of my very first jobs at age 15. In fact, from age 15 to 22, uh, I, I was a server. I was a waiter. I, I worked at a, at a golf country club, bussing tables. And later on after high school and into college, I worked at Outback Steakhouse. And shout out Outback Steakhouse. Bloomin' Onion. Yeah. Bloomin' Onion. Onion. I worked there. I worked at a restaurant here in San Diego that's no longer with us, but it's called Dakota's Grill and Spirits. And there's nothing holy about those spirits, different spirits. But I would, I would, I would go to work and I would come home and, and I would smell like food. I would, I would look like the food. I, I had blooming onion coming off of me. It was all over. <laughs> but not only that, when I when I served, my job was to go and ask, "How can I help you? What can I do for you? Do you need anything else?" And and, and that was cool. But Many, many times, there would be people who, who, would, who would come at me and say, Travis, my, you cooked my meal wrong. I'm like, well, first of all, brother, I'm not in the back flipping the steaks, just so you know. I don't actually make the onions, but I'm here to serve you. Or I, you messed up my drink, you messed up my order. And, and, where, where are you at? And maybe you're, maybe you're one of those guys. It's like, hey, where, where's my server? Where's my waiter? That's the job. That's the job we signed up for. I wish, look up here. I wish that every person, every young person at some point in their life would become a waiter, become a, a server, a servant in some capacity. It's hard work. And so I get why you and I and so many of us struggle with this idea in this word servant. Because in order for you to become a servant, waiter, server, it means that you'll have to give up what you want. You'll have to put some things aside. Uh, and in life, it may end up looking like you, you don't do the things that maybe you thought you would be doing. So I want to help us today. I, wa- I want to give, give us four decisions. Show me four. Someone show me four. Put four in the chat. Actually, three <laughs> changed my mind. And I was writing this, I had four, and I went back to three because it was too much. So I'm going to give you three. Three decisions that you can make to become a servant like Jesus. And when you do, it will be, watch this, proof. It will be evidence that you're a follower of Jesus. That you're heading in that direction. If you're not there yet and you choose to be a servant, it will be proof. It will be evidence. Because you got the burden, just like i got the obligation to show. What does my life show? How does my life demonstrate it? These three decisions will help you get the evidence, get the proof. That you follow him, that you love people like him, and that you live like Jesus lives. Here's point number one. I write this down. A servant puts we over me. A servant puts we, the group, others, puts we over me. Turn to John chapter 13. I'm going to read verse 1. And this is, this, is, this is what it says. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world... Watch this, pay attention, circle this in your Bible. He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And so let's pause there. I try to get in the mind of Jesus when I'm reading this story. And I, I try to do it as often as I can. What was he thinking? What were they thinking? What were they thinking about? Because Jesus has every reason to be all about Jesus. Why is that? Well, because he's about to die. The Bible tells us that uh, uh, he knew the hour had come. He's thinking about his last days. He's about to leave, a.k.a. die the worst death possible. The devil's in the room. The devil's in the room. The devil has prompted Judas. And I don't, I don't know if I was going to say this or not, but Judas Iscariot. I thought, man, if you take the words a scared idiot, you get Iscariot. Judas was, Judas was something, man. But Judas is scary. the devil is in the room. He's prompting Judas. Jesus is thinking about all this. His friend is going to betray him. And now it's time for for Jesus to take a break. It's time for Jesus to get a foot massage. Jesus is about to go see a movie with his his buddies. He's, He's about to go buy a new outfit. He's about to go to Outback and get that steak dinner. Come on, somebody. No, he doesn't do that. He puts we over me. He puts others above himself. He puts them over him. He considers their needs, the disciples, to be loved. It says, there, it, says, it, says it right there. He loved them to the end. Like, like you haven't loved them enough, Jesus. But he said, no, no I'm going I'm to keep going. I'm going to go the, 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 the full way, the full distance. He's going to prove it to them. I've got to love them to the end. He considers others above himself in the midst of the pressures and pains of his circumstances. Man, the proof is in the pain. Serving is hard; it's uncomfortable. I want to bring up this picture of of my wife. Um, It's a picture of her. I love this picture, and I didn't ask her for permission, but I think it's a beautiful picture. Her there, holding flowers, Um, and this is right after she graduated with her master's degree. She's a first grade teacher. Shout out all teachers! Right now, we're praying for you. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for what you're doing in a tough season. But there's a there's a backstory to this picture. My wife and I have been together for almost going on 13 years. We dated for four and almost married nine. And early on when we got married, in fact, towards the end of our, our dating life, uh, my, my wife was already getting her master's. In fact, I had already dropped out of college. And I, I saw her and, man, was I motivated. I'm like, dang, that girl is smoking. And she's, got her, she's getting her master's. I better get my act together. I went back and finished school. And then as we got married, I started my master's. And so here we are, both of us, a young couple, don't have a ton of money. And we kind of sat down and thought, man, what do we want for our life? And we're both doing our masters. We can't afford to pay for this. And so I remember my wife said, well, why don't you go first? Why don't you go? I I know I've already started first. I know I'll take a back seat. Why don't you go? And so I did. And fast forward six, seven years later, we had an opportunity for uh, uh, my wife to go back to school. We had saved up enough money to, to send her back to finish her master's degree. Unfortunately, it had been so long that none of the classes she took transferred over to her new degree. She had to start all over again. I was super bummed. I was super crushed. Um, but she said, you know what, I'll do it. But what's even maybe more special about uh, that story is that my wife was working full-time, teaching first grade And she was pregnant with our second child. We had a a a one-and-a-half-year-old at home. She works all day, comes home, makes sure that my daughter has what she needs, that I have what I need. Then she goes, pregnant and all, to school at night. Then halfway through her program, she has our, our son Levi. Then goes back to school, finishes the degree. And it just blew my mind. So I love that picture because it's a special moment. But to me it represents So much more. It shows me the heart of a servant. Not only is she an incredible wife, but a mother. She's the last person to eat, making sure you got your food, you got your food. When we go on trips and vacations, man, she puts the best little care packages together. Shout out moms, you're superheroes. She puts the best little packages together and makes sure they got the tablets and they got the blankets and they got the shoes and they got the snacks and they got the, the books and they got the toys. And man, if I'm taking people, taking my kids out, it's like grab a sweater and I'll get a toothbrush. We'll figure it out. <laughs> like we'll, we'll put it, we'll figure it out. Praise God for gas stations and drive thrus Holy smokes. Man, and, and go ahead, kids, put, put the seatbelts on. What's that? You can't put it on? Okay. <laughs> so I'm trying to put it together. My wife makes sure that they have it all done. She's the last person to make sure she takes care of herself. And this would be okay if there were 48 hours, 48 hours in the day not 24. Or, or if there were no pressure from work, this might be a little bit different. Or if she always got eight hours of sleep instead of four and a half or five. Or if the kids never woke her up in the middle of the night, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. And she never had to deal with my shortcomings. What shortcomings? This may be less painful. In fact, the other... The other day, I dropped the ball, and, and, and that happens quite often. And I remember my wife said, man, if this, if this wouldn't keep happening, I wouldn't have to pray so hard. And I remember thinking, huh, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm drawing you closer to God. <laughs> but no, it's painful. It's painful to serve. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, this is what it reads. It says, do nothing, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, watch this, in humility, value others, we, above yourselves, me. This verse is about Vanessa. This verse is about my wife. Serving is painful. It's not comfortable or convenient. She can't help herself. Why? Because serving isn't something that Vanessa sometimes does. A servant is someone my wife always is. And for a lot of people, this is a big deal. I get it. It's a big decision. So maybe instead of doing things your way, the next time you let them make the decision. Or instead of spending all your money on your hobbies, you let her get the mani-pedi. Instead of you having another poker night with the guys, fellas, maybe maybe because the kids have been asking, you take that night and you get the family and you have a game night and you make it about them. Instead of quickly texting somebody, emoji hands, praying for you, maybe you pick the phone up, you dial the number, you take some time, make it about them and say, hey, let me pray for you right now. Now, be a servant, put we over me. That's the first thing we have to decide. Here's point number two, if you're taking notes. A servant puts service over status. A servant puts service over status. And maybe that's self-explanatory in the name, but let me read this verse to you. This is John 13. I'm going to read verses two through eight, continuing in our story. It says, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power. What a powerful moment. Jesus has all things under his power. And that he had came from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, verse 5, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drawing them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He then came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied... You don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. And Peter says, no, Lord, no. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Uh, It's important to note a couple things when we read read this part of the story. Uh, Whenever you and I enter someone's home, traditionally, often the polite thing to say and you would hear is, hey, may I take your coat? You said that before, or maybe someone has told you that before. They'd say, "Hey, let me, come on in. Let me take your coat for you." Or, or you have a guest, and 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 they come in. Let me take your coat. Well, in this story, in this period of time, you would normally hear from the host, "May I wash your feet? May I may I wash your feet?" But they wouldn't do it. They would have their servant do the work. They would have their servant do the washing because it's humiliating. It's at the ground and it's gross. They didn't have no boots. They didn't have no rain boots. Back in the day, just a bunch of sandals and busted toes and and, and calluses and alligator's claws, feet hanging out. It was was humiliating. It was down low by the ground and it was gross. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, King of kings, Lord of lords, Prince of peace, he is the lion and the lamb is washing feet. What's he doing? Verse 3 Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power. Uh, This is Jesus is such a big deal. And if he wasn't already a big deal, in this moment especially. Verse 3 says that Jesus knew that all things on heaven and earth were under his control, under his power. I have the keys. I I got the access. I got the decision-making power. I have the ability to do whatever I want. I'm a big deal. BMOC, big man on campus is what we used to say. Jesus is a big deal, but he sees prideful hearts. He remembers them arguing, who's the greatest, Jesus? And he sees dirty feet. So he takes a towel around his waist and begins to wash the feet of his friends. There's a a man at our church, his name is Dave Welch. And I love Dave. And for many, many reasons, I'll tell you why. But uh, Dave's a big guy, tall guy. And he serves on our safety team. That means he helps open and close his doors. Keeps certain areas safe and secured. Watches over our kiddos when we were in children's church. Uh, it was fantastic. It's fantastic to serve in, in that ministry. And Dave loves it. And in fact, we can't wait to get back in the building in a few weeks. And I'm sure Dave's going to be one of the first ones to, to, to come back and, ha- and help serve. And he's been a part of this ministry for, for several years. Uh, he keeps us keeps safe. Keep, keeps it quiet. But, but Dave normally is in this area. In this building, he would serve in that area right there. Dave's been there for years, but most of the time I never noticed him. Why? Because he's just quietly serving, standing by himself, keeping watch over the area, making sure that things are safe and secure and comfortable and happy. But here's what's significant about Dave. He's an admiral in the Navy. He's Admiral Dave. I don't know if you know anything about the armed forces, but admiral is at the top. There are thousands and thousands of, of other uh, positions and, and people that serve underneath Admiral Dave, and he hates it when I call him that. He even looks like an admiral. This dude's like six foot four, got the high and tight. He just got the, got the suited and booted to be the admiral. He looks fantastic. He, he's also the commander. I want to get this right, of Carrier Strike Group 15, which is composed of nearly 7,500 staff members. Dave is BMOC, big man on campus. Dave's a big deal. He's a big deal. But every week Dave comes to church. Every week Dave comes to this room here. We were in the buildings and I'm sure he's coming back. And he would take off what he had on. His hat, his uniform, his pins or badge or awards and Things that he's accolades, that he's acquired. And no one salutes him. No one even blinks an eye at Admiral Dave. Because he's just Dave. No one stops and and comes to attention for Dave. In fact, he takes off all of that and puts on this, this regular black shirt that says, Rock Church. No one salutes him. He doesn't command anything. This service role that he plays is literally, watch this. Below his pay grade. Why would he do that? Why would Dave do that? Because serving isn't just something that Dave sometimes does. A servant is who Admiral Dave always is. So my question for you, my question really for us is, 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 who do you think you are? What's your status? Are you too big of a deal? Are you too cool, are you too wealthy, are are you too smart, too successful, too young, too old, too rich, too poor. It doesn't matter what your status is. If you've made the claim to be a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're leaning into the things of God, as we said earlier, and you're heading in that direction, you've made that claim. I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about becoming a Christian. If you've made that claim, the proof is in the pain. The proof is found in the life of a servant. Put service over status. That's what Jesus did and that's what a servant does. That's the second thing that we have to decide. And here's my last point, point number three. A servant puts purpose over potential. A servant puts purpose over potential. And I love this point. I want to read the last part of this story in John chapter 13, verses 12 through 17. Here's what it says. When he had finished washing their feet, Jesus, he put on clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand, he said, what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example. Circle that word. That you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Here's what Jesus is Saying. Uh, don't just get a foot rub from the Savior and then go and live the life that you want to live. And become whatever you want to be. Uh, these are my final moments, disciples. You are my followers. These are my, my final days. I am at the end of my life. I am going to the cross. I am going to give my life away for you. Uh, now what, what I do, I want you to do. Uh, how I live, I want you to live. The way I serve, you serve. Disciples, followers, you've spent the last three years of your life with me. You've seen me cast out demons. You've seen me walk on water. You've seen me speak a word to that storm and it stops. You've seen me turn water into wine. You've seen me do so many things. Heal the paralytic and I'm going to go. And after I'm gone, you have the opportunity to do whatever you want. You have the potential to do whatever you want. I'm asking you to serve your purpose. Do what I've done. Put your purpose first. Serve and you'll be blessed when you do. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask a, a special helper to help me illustrate this last point. I got my daughter and I with me. Sweetie, will you come over here and help daddy. You're fine like that. Come on over. You look so beautiful. Come here, sweetie. I love you. Come sit down right here. Sit right there. You look wonderful. Now daddy and, and, and didn't practice this with you, but I did ask you if we could do this. You know that daddy teaches and I tell stories sometimes and so I just want to tell you the story of Jesus washing feet. Is that okay? Good. So Jesus is with his friends one day and he wants to show them how much he loves them. And he's almost about to go to the cross. You know that Jesus died for me and he died for you. He loves us. And so one of the ways that he wanted to do that was by washing their feet. Isn't that kind of funny? A little bit. (laughs) And so what he does is he takes off his outer shirt and he takes a towel like this. And I'm going to do that right now. And he wraps it around his waist. It's okay, I look good. Yeah, nice outfit for daddy. (laughs) Daddy's silly. And then he takes a a little bit of water and he pours it out into a bowl. And he begins to go to his disciples to wash their feet. So I'm going to wash your feet. Is that that funny? Yeah, these are fuzzy socks. We picked these ones out this morning. (laughs) I'm going to put them back on in just a second. So he goes to his disciples one by one and they don't understand it. In fact, he tells them, you know what? You're probably not gonna understand what I'm about to do. And I have a feeling that you may not fully understand what we're doing right now, but this is one way that Jesus decided to love his disciples. Ooh, it's kind of cold. I didn't get warm water. Sorry about that. But one day, Anaya, I promise you, look at me. I promise you, you're gonna understand this one day. It'll make so much sense to you. And you know that um, mommy and daddy love you. And we tell you that you can be whatever you want to be when you get older. You could be a teacher like mommy. You can be a preacher like daddy. You can be an astronaut. That would be cool. You can be a doctor. uh, You can be a plumber. You can be uh, whatever you want to do. You can be a dance teacher. You can be a dancer. Whatever you want to be. You can be an artist. It's up to you. You have the potential, Anaya to do anything that your heart desires. But here's what I want you to know. And here's what I think Jesus was trying to tell his disciples. The one thing for sure that I want to make certain in your heart is above all else, you and I have a purpose. You have a purpose from God. And that purpose is to serve him and to serve others. And so no matter what you end up doing, because you have all the potential in the world, I want to make sure... That you serve your purpose, to love people, to be kind to them. That's what serving means, just like I'm doing to you. Sometimes it's a little bit tickly. Sometimes it's funny. But a lot of times, you know what, it's uncomfortable. And it requires getting on your knees and doing the hard work of helping people. You think we can do that? You think you want to do that? You want to love people and serve people? Yeah, me too. Thank you for helping me out. Can you give me a high five? I love you. Give me a kiss. Okay, go right there. Uh, Joshua 24 verse 15 says, For as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what we're doing. For me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve the Lord. That's my challenge for you today. That's my challenge for you Rock Church and Rock family and people watching all across the world, all across the county, that you would serve the Lord, that you would serve other people. Take your house, take your loved ones, get your friends, get your church and serve. And serve. Here's why. Because serving isn't just something that you and I sometimes do. A servant, a servant is who you and I always are. We're servants. Let's decide today to put we over me. Service over status. Purpose over potential. It's not what I do, it's who I am. It's not my activity, it's literally my identity. It not only describes me, but it literally defines who you and I are. In a few weeks, we're going to get back in the buildings. In fact, we're preparing for that right now. And so I want to give you some practical next steps to serve. In your local area, in your local campus, in your local context, you can serve. And one of the ways you can do that is by texting the word INFO. To 52525. We'll put that on the screen for you. Text that word info to 52525 and we have opportunities for you to serve. You can serve and be a part of the relaunch team as we get back in the buildings, which is going to be incredible. You can meet Dave and his wife, Mercedes. They both serve. They're incredible. Join us. Be a part of what God has called us to do. Serve your purpose. But here's the last thing. There are some of you who aren't all in just yet. And you know the proof is in the pain. And maybe to be a follower of Jesus looks a little bit too uncomfortable. A little bit too different. Maybe you're not there yet. I want to challenge you to surrender your hesitation. To surrender your speculation. Surrender your inconsistent faith and relationship and say, Lord, I'm all in. Here I am. I'm going with you. I'm putting we over me. I'm putting putting service over status. I'm putting my purpose over all the other potential things I could be doing. I'm putting that aside because I want to follow you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. And it's as simple as A, B, C. It's simple, but man, it costs God everything in his son, Jesus. It cost him everything. When he stretches his arms out on the cross to die for us, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you need to surrender your life today, whether it's the very first time or maybe you know him and now you're coming back and you just feel his presence in these moments, I want you to pray this in the quiet of your heart. Bow your heads, close your eyes wherever you are. We're going to admit that we need Jesus. We're going to be believe that he died for us. And see we're going to confess him as now Lord of our life. Lead servant of all servants. If that's your prayer, if that's something you need to do today, I want you to pray this in the quiet of your heart. Pray, dear God, I admit that I need you. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've fallen short of all of your glory and all of your love. But I believe that you died for me. And I believe that by trusting you and inviting you to take over my life, I'm forgiven. I have a brand new heart, a brand new life. I confess to you right now as Lord of my life, lead servant of me, your servant. Now, if you pray that prayer wherever you are, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to let someone know, whether it's in the chat or someone next to you. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. We want to celebrate you. And just know that's what's happening in heaven right now. They're celebrating and rejoicing. So if that's you, let someone know on the count of three one, two, three. Let someone know you made that decision. Open your eyes. Look to heaven, thank God. Raise your hands if you're alone. If you're with someone, let them know. I just, I just prayed that prayer. If you're online watching our service, put it in the chat. Just made that prayer. Just pray that prayer. Put amen. Click the saved button. We want to know how we can help you get your next steps in this relationship and this journey with Jesus. Now let me pray for you and we're going to wrap up our time. Lord, thank you for every decision, every heart, every servant is leaning in today. Lord, serving is not just something that we sometimes do. A servant is who we always want to be and always are. Thank you for every life given. Bless them. Give them a new mind, new heart, new revelation, freshness, fresh life inside of them. We bless them now in your name. The name is above every other name. You're the big man on campus, Jesus. We love you. Everybody said amen. God bless you, Rock Church.